Welcome to Filmies React, a spin-off of Signals, the Playback podcast. I'm Erica Moulton, video editor at Playback, joined here today by uh, grad student Laura Schumacher, who is in the Media and Cultural Studies Department here at UW-Madison. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about the unholy abomination that is Cats, the movie musical. Welcome, Laura. Uh, hi. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Um, and so uh, my usual co-host, uh, Dylan Mitchell, is not with us today. Um, he's w- with us in spirit always. Um, might join us a little bit later um, on the phone. Uh, but for now, we're going to just jump right in like like this, the kind of sphinx-like cats of Cats the Movie Musical uh, and start talking about what we saw last night. What did we see last night? I still don't know, um, but I loved it. You loved it, yes. <laughs> so, like from the outset, let's just make this clear that there uh, there was a variety of opinions mm-hmm. about cats. Uh, we went to go see it with uh, about thirteen to fifteen of our closest friends. It is uh, the most anticipated movie of the Comarts department, I would say, of the year. Yeah, uh, we had a whole row in the theater. We did have an entire row of uh, the theater. Yeah. So, so what were your initial reactions to cats? Let's just start with that. So I think I was primed to go in, like, not going to take it seriously. Mm. We knew that the trailer made it look bonkers, and all of the promo that they've done leading up to it seems to be leaning into that. Um, So I went in thinking it would be a good time. Um, And, you know, sometimes the cats introducing themselves songs get a little tedious, but for the most part, um, it leaned into its weirdness. It just fully embraced it. And I love that. Yeah. So it is a deeply, deeply weird musical sort of from its source material all the way up until like this actual production, whatever Tom Hooper was deciding to do with this, the source material that he was given. Um, So the, the show itself, uh, you know, premiering in the 1980s at some point, uh, the brainchild of one Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, <laughs> derived from uh, from a T.S. Eliot book of poetry about cats, uh, which, you know, if T.S. Eliot were alive today, I don't know if he would be super pleased with the fact that the thing in pop culture that is like most omnipresent from his entire <laughs> body of work is a book of cats that he wrote, I think apparently for like a niece. It was I just like a fun thing. He, he did. really loved cats though. So he maybe he'd love it. Maybe he would. <laughs> maybe, you know, forget the wasteland, yeah. forget proof rock. <laughs> no one remembers any of that. <laughs> it's all cats. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's the cat's world that we're living in. So, <laughs> but yeah, so the songs let's, yeah, let's start with that. And just kind of the source material in general. Um, so the, the show itself has no plot. Right. It's just a series of introductions. Until you choose which cat gets to die. Yes. Are you going to try for a different life? Yes. So uh, all the cats are competing to go to the heavy side layer, which it, it took me a couple of seconds to remember that like it's not the heaven side layer. Nope. It like, is heavy side. Heavy side. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that's supposed to be like cats just like getting things a little wrong. Like, uh, this entire concept of, like, heaven and hell and, like, ascending to, you know, become a new version of yourself to, be, like, be reincarnated as a new type of cat is, like, clearly it's an analog to, like, human beings and, like, heaven and hell and we go to heaven and, I guess, become angels. I don't know. Um, but that the cats just, like, get it a little bit wrong. 
but it really bugged me the heavy side layer well thing. it's going so much off of t.s Eliot's poems and like so much of that is okay. like word choice that's just a little bit off or a little bit wrong or was like him just making up words with like yeah. intense descriptions behind them like jellical cats and pollicle dogs right. are a thing that he really classifies sure um, so, so we blame t.s Eliot. yes really, we blame t.s Eliot for all of this well i think andrew lloyd weber and tom hooper share a little responsibility a little bit. yeah and we'll get to them we'll oh, we'll get to them um but yeah so the show i was saying earlier like i think clearly bears the marks of the 1980s as like a specific time in the mu- in musical theater's history. So like Andrew Lloyd Webber, this is like the absolute, like this is the acme of his career. This is, you know, when he is most culturally relevant, he has, he's, he's done Jesus Christ Superstar. He's now, you know, done Cats. This is the, the decade in which he releases Phantom of the Opera. Um, so like there's a lot going on in his career. And at the height of his career, he's like, I'm going to make this show. It's going to be about Cats. And it's just going to be a lot of people in like Lycra, just skin tight clothes, uh, dancing around and um, and crawling on audience members. I think that was the one thing that really yeah. saved me in this movie is that like I didn't have to think about the fact that the cats might come down and touch me, <laughs> which when I saw it as a nine year old really terrified me. I'm sure, but I feel like that was also like one of the gimmicks that made it so popular in the 1980s. Yeah, like yeah, the well, cats dance up on you. R- um. Okay, so this is this is bringing up a good point, and yeah. that like. The, the the cats horny v not horny debate mm, yeah i was i'm like uh, i feel like the people who are like turned on by that movie like maybe need jesus <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean um no judgments on sure. sexual preferences not uh something that i get uh, right. but they definitely have a horny i was going to say undertone but it's not even an undertone it's just an undertone. like actively that's it's text. all Jason Derulo is there to do. So exactly, yes. So okay, we're talking about the songs and the cats introducing themselves. So maybe that's a good point to talk about uh, the the movie and which of the performances you thought were like most versus least successful vis a vis like the actors and like how it actually was staged. So maybe we should start with like <laughs> the early ones: Derulo, Rebel Wilson. Oh God. It's such a weird bar for like what was most or least successful because I guess most is like you just went all in on the concept, which doesn't necessarily produce a good performance per se, but is for this film. Yeah. Um, You know, I think a lot of the like undiscovered theater talent they had was actually surprisingly Mm. nice. Um, We talked about our love for narrator cat, who we don't even know the name of. We looked him up Um, yesterday. It's like mung something. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, Um, he's good. But yeah, he was really quite good in it. Um, the dancing was all quite good, yes. um, except for Taylor Swift's. Taylor oh, Swift's Jesus. worst performance, uh, quite quite possibly up there. She only gets one number, so right. it's hard to judge, but that one number is not good. And when you think he's half asleep, he's always wide awake! Um. Yeah, and that's the one where, like, the, the like, horniness in the text, like, really like made me feel the weirdest because she she, like descends on this like crescent moon that in the words of and this is from new york times critic (laughs) manola dargis uh ejaculates glitter (laughs) like it's that's an accurate description (laughs) it's an accurate description um but yeah it's just like why why is she so turned on by macavity you know, I guess it's an Idris Elba cat, so... I mean, there seems to be some suggestion that, like, he kind of, like, 
gets himself a harem. That's what happens right. to Grizabella the glamour cat, ostensibly. Um, right, right, right. So she has been, like, used and abused yeah, by the cavity. Um, yeah. But a little unclear what's happening there. But yeah. Taylor Swift is all in. Um, she does not bring with her much of, like, a sexy presence. Um, right. You know, that's really just not her image or what she does. So it's weird that that was her character in this. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's an interesting question in, in general, like just casting wise, like what are the available roles in this? And like, there's not really a big female role in Cats. Like they sort of manufactured one, like Victoria, the the little like white cat who's yeah. like our sort of POV character in this. Like she's, she is sort of in the original Cats. There is like a little like white cat who's introduced first and then, you know, she sort of is like throughout the whole thing, but she doesn't have a big number. She's mainly just mm-hmm. a dancing character. Um, and so they've... Uh, added a new song for her written by Taylor Swift which I would love to talk about beautiful ghosts (laughs) Um, but yeah I mean in terms of the available roles like for Taylor Swift to even take in this I guess Bombalarina in a way is like the only one that gets her a big number it gives her a big number she's obviously not going to be jelly jenny dots or whatever it is the rebel Wilson cat Um, and that's kind of it in terms of like you know they've they've gender swapped the Deuteronomy character so Judy Dench gets a role but yeah, it is a kind of like weirdly male show, um, and like the, the female characters are just like there to dance. So I don't know, maybe gender implications in cats. I mean, I guess Grizabella is really Grisabella, the, that's true. the one, but there you go. Yes, also, would not right. fit for Taylor Swift. Doesn't really fit for right. Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. Also, something I would classify as an unsuccessful performance. Yeah. Again, I don't think Taylor Swift, like, I think she is self aware enough to know that like Grizabella would not be a good role for her to try to take on. Like vocally or just image. You're giving Taylor Swift a lot of credit. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. If I, I mean, yes, extend, <laughs> that is true. She did in my favorite behind the scenes material uh, refer to herself while talking about writing the new song, where she's like, you know, talking about T. S. Eliot and reading T. S. Eliot to get inspired for her song. She's like, you know, if you can't get T. S., get T. S. Yes. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Help so us all. Has compared herself to T. S. Eliot. Just so. you know, just casually. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> I admire it. Um, but yeah, so early songs, we have the Derulo one, which I guess is kind of fun. Yeah. You know, he's Rum Tum Tugger. It updates it from the 80s aesthetic that you're talking about a little bit. It gives um, it like a little bit of like an R&B-ish yeah. remix. Fine. You know, and he sounds okay. So like, this is the mm-hmm. other thing about this show. Um, that, and just Tom Hooper in general that drives me crazy is like, he has branded himself as this like sort of musical auteur director like you know I'm bringing I'm updating these musicals for the 21st century blah 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 but he has this gimmick that he always makes his actors sing live so like everyone in that movie was singing on the set that wasn't just a lame thing no so this is his thing like he demands that everyone sing live um and the result of that is like a lot of them sound pretty bad yeah like, Jason Derulo is a singer, so, like, he sounds pretty decent. Um, obviously, Jennifer Hudson is, like, a good singer. But, like, some of them do not fare as well. Like, no. Idris Elba does not fare well as <laughs> a singer. He only sings, like, this. one line, and it's still Ugh. not great. The Napoleon of crime. Yeah, and... Uh, and, Re- and Rebel Wilson's like, okay, but also you can kind of tell, like, the live singing is not doing her any favors. No. So... Um, but yeah, so she has an early a song with um, the crazy mice children. Oh God! That 
maybe we should just get that out of the way. Yeah. One of the few things that was not like spoiled for me in its horror by the trailers. Um, you know, I knew going in the cats would look insane and yeah. very uncanny valley, but was not prepared for little children's faces uh, hovering inside of mouse figures. It's just so wrong. Like, it, like, it just it feels like an abomination against nature. Well, maybe we should try to figure out why the choice to make the animals in this look as they do is so unsettling. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, this is maybe as good a time as any to yeah. just talk about the digital fur technology. Yeah, because I think that's the same problem with mice. It's just, like, even worse because it's little children's faces. Yeah. Um, but it's the same problem where you just, like, have a human face kind of hovering in an animal yeah. body with some human extremities, like, oh, their hands just God. not even trying to cover them in fur right. or make them look not entirely human. Yeah. I don't know if we were still getting the like shoddy VFX that's apparently been happening in the early yeah. versions of the movie, but Oh, I mean I I noticed quite a lot of it. So like, yeah, like they, they obviously they just decided like we're not going to try to give them paws on either their hands or their feet. So like the cat's hands and feet are just human hands and feet the entire time. Um, some of the cats were sneakers. <laughs> it's unclear what the rules are about which cats wear shoes and which don't. I think just do you need shoes to dance? <laughs> right, exactly. cat wear shoes. <laughs> if you're a hip hop dancing cat, I guess yeah. you get to wear sneakers. Um, but yeah, like partially because of how bad Tom Hooper is as a director, um, like he has a really bad habit of like either framing the actors from like the crotch up <laughs> or like right where their like hands are meeting like the bottom of the frame. And so like this, the whole VFX disaster was like most apparent to me in the Mr. Mistopheles number where his hands, like while he's doing all these magic tricks, like his hands are right at the bottom of the frame. So like, it's not even like they're fully in the frame, which is stupid because he's a magic cat and you're supposed to be seeing his whole hands, but you can only see half of them. And you know, so because of that, you're like, staring directly at his hands and while he's doing his tricks like I noticed the fur on his hands like he would move his hand and the fur would like it would, it would take like a few seconds for the fur to catch up with his hand so like they clearly couldn't finish even rendering this movie like there's still some of the effects that are basically unfinished um, which is kind of appalling for a studio film that like and like uh, during James Corden's number, if you watch his hands and arms, like they change sizes while he's digging in the, the trash. So like, I mean, there's just so many effects that are just so terrible in this. Um, and yeah, in the digital fur technology, it feels like just you said, like their faces are just like hovering in the middle of a cat face, like not even fully integrated into the rest of the cat, like skull. It's just no, or like tried to make some like of the photos more cat like, like noses, just fully right. human noses fully human noses um, like with like little whiskers popping out on yeah. the side and yeah and then like the rules about whether when they behave like cats versus when they just like behave like regular humans it's like every once in a while they'll all just like drop to the ground and like suddenly yeah. crawl like cats again uh so yeah the yeah, fur technology seem like all over all their talk about we went to cat camp <sighs> there still didn't seem like there was any like coherent world building on like what that was actually going to mean yeah in a way that i think probably works better in a stage musical as much as cats works right. as a stage musical exactly. um that just doesn't work in a film yeah like there's a there's a like a layer of fantasy that sort of you can buy into you know whatever crazy stuff they're selling in the cats musical the the shifts in behavior the sort of very 
like weird semi cat like body movements um, that are basically just jazzercise. Yeah, from the nineteen eighties. <laughs> it's like they basically just took the Jane Fonda jazzercise tapes and turned <laughs> put like cat ears and tails on people and were like, and we have a musical now. Um, so yeah, but I don't know. It's it's very perplexing um, what even is going on. Um, but yeah, so. So yeah, that's some of the things that are wrong with both the source material and Anton Hooper. There's, it's hard to even just like parse this into like one coherent through line. I feel like we're just we're just inundated by all the yeah. Things. There's just so much going on. There's um, a lot going so on. So much to talk about. So we've talked about the children mice. Was it <laughs> the scale of the cats? How it just changes? Oh, yeah. What like it's like Tom Hooper has never seen a cat before no. in his life. <laughs> no. And, and like, the stuff that they interact with in the background, like, sometimes it seems like it would be to scale for a cat, but there's, like, the fork bit. Yeah, where it's, like, a cat's the size of a fork. Um, right. But then also, like, in long shot, they look the size of humans. Yeah. Um, like, half the time. Yeah. Then sometimes in long shots, they look the size of mice. Um, it's amazing to me how there was clearly no unified, like, production vision it was. It feels very or it kind of feels haphazard. Like there was, but then no one was like committed enough right. to really like Follow figure through. out like a size ratio yes. and make sure every single set piece yes. like adhered to it. It's like Tom Hooper had this vision, and then everyone was like, "Cool, let's just like <laughs> like half ass." Let's go with it. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, w- I think the true test would be like, I really can't wait till this is released, and we can like digitally add real cats over the cat bodies just to see what like it would actually look like if you put a real cat in the the scale someone on youtube needs to do this (laughs) they just need to redo cats but just with actual cats um yeah it's it's insane to me and the fact that there's no physics to cats apparently that they can all some of them can just fly and or just like leap and it's totally fine so um but yeah i mean i could harp more on the fact that the movie is unfinished i was like horrified and also delighted by the fact that um, the backgrounds in a lot of the scenes look like screensavers. <laughs> so like the the Skimble Shanks number, which you know is a great example of what we were talking about earlier. That like there's a lot of good dancing in the movie. Yeah. Um. Really, cl- like clearly talented people. But then they go on this like journey on the train tracks with Skimble Shanks, the railway cat, and like the train, the tracks themselves like look like just screensavers. Like there's yeah. no finishing. There's no like you know, addition of, like, some texture on the tracks to make it look real. It's like, nope, these are just screensaver holding, (laughs) like, holder position. You know, like, they put these in in, like, you know, the first stages of post-production, and then they just never went back and finished them. Um, So, like, the scene where uh, Victoria sneaks into the house with the two, like, evil henchmen cats of Macavity, um, they go to this, this, like, stairwell or staircase in this family house, and the staircase and the background wallpaper, like, really, really look like just a screensaver yeah there's like no depth. they look very like all of a sudden we're in kind of like a half animated yeah. world yes and so you know i i found that fascinating um as a fan of musicals uh i would also like to talk about um it as a musical and tom hooper as a director of musicals let's do it by which i want to say he is a bad director <laughs> of musicals he's a terrible um, director he can't direct a dance number to save his life. He can't just like give us a sense of what the dance actually is. There's so many cuts in yes. a number for no reason. Um, and it's kind of sad because like, like you said, a lot of like filming from like the waist up or things where it's like this is not 
giving us the best idea of like what these again very talented dancers are actually doing yeah it's upsetting and you know in the hands of a better director a more competent director you know who's to say I I still don't think it would be very good I don't but I get the impetus behind like it's I believe the most successful musical of all time in terms of money made. I think I heard that Phantom of the Opera just went as a longer run technically on Broadway, but why you would want to make that as a movie, I guess on like a very basic level, but I don't get how once you like even tried pitching what it would be, it went beyond that at Universal. Oh, when they were doing the movie version? Yeah, I mean, like, when we're like, okay, Cats is so successful, let's make a movie out of it now that it's been on Broadway for, how right. you know, 30 years. Um, the minute you're like, okay, how is this actually going to work? And someone is like, well, we're going to need to invent digital for technology. I don't know why someone at Universal wasn't, like, shut it down. Like, this is not <laughs> going to look good. This is not going to, go like, be received well. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing about the history of the production is, so I, you probably noticed like at the very beginning, there's the Amblin Entertainment logo. Oh, yeah. So this is a Steve uh, Spielberg like property. So he bought the rights like to make it into a movie like years and years and years ago, like in the 90s um, and had planned to do a movie, like a musical version of it that was going to be animated. And then it was like scrapped for whatever reason, like it went into turnaround. Um, and so like a version of this has been floating around for the better part of like 20 or 30 years, like people figuring out like when they want, you know, whether they were gonna do it as animated, whether they're gonna do live action. And I guess their th- their feeling was like, well, the technology has advanced to a place where <laughs> finally- It has not <laughs> advanced to a place where we can do this yet. We can say definitively, <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> it is not. Um, but yeah, so it is, crazy that you know i guess steven spielberg really really liked cats made a real big impression on him in uh in the the 80s so i guess they were all just doing a lot of cocaine right i was like i don't (laughs) know if everyone was just coked up in the 80s and thought that this show was like the best thing they had ever seen but um i guess i mean it's the joke of musical theater now so i don't know why we thought in 2019 it was going to work it's just aged so poorly yeah although you know I, I think there is a part of the population that really likes cats. Like there was the lady behind us at the theater who like, or in the, the you know, cinema last night, who was clearly enjoying herself. Oh God. Was like, you know. Sorry I, to that lady. I know. <laughs> but like, it, it's wild to me that like, there is a part of the population that really has strong feelings about this musical, thinks the music is fun, like cries when Grizabella sings memory. Um, even though, you know, I still don't understand the stakes of that song. I mean, it's, it's just emotions and it's most, bland and like gen- you know, just general like she's excluded and that's bad because you shouldn't exclude people that's mean the cats are being mean to Grizabella we should feel bad for her <laughs> well, she sings a sad song I feel like I've tapped into it more after reading Gia Tolentino's wonderful piece on the creation of cats um, okay. in which Grizabella is fully just based off of like a scrap of a poem that T.S. Eliot's uh, widow gave to Andrew Lloyd Webber oh. when he was making it that talks about her being a glamour cat who has now like aged out of her glamour um, mm. and that being kind of her like great tragedy is okay. that um, I don't know she was once hot she was <laughs> hot. a really uh, hot cat yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah damn and that cat was so hot so I think the memory part is supposed to be like I don't know the morning of your lost youth and like how hap- unhappy she is now but yeah also that the other cats are mean to her um, mm. for seemingly no 
no reason other than she once yeah. uh, was with McCavity. Cats are like capricious, kind of bitchy animals. And yeah. I mean, if we learned not, anything not from that accurate. last song. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think, I think we've gotten to the point now we've, we've complained about all the bad things in yes. cats for a while. Let's, let's talk about uh, the spectacular things because there well, are some. Yes. And I'd like to make clear that a lot of the bad things I've been talking about are also the spectacular things. Mm, yeah. Um, so, I, so yes. So <laughs> what are some of the things that stood out to you? Um, I mean, Idris Elba as McCavity. When the crimes discover then. McCavities? Not there. What have they done to that beautiful man's body? I don't know, but um, <laughs> he looks potentially the most insane with the digital fur technology. Yeah. Um, and yeah. They've and, given oh. his fur coat, like, no definition, so it kind of just looks like a weird velvet bodysuit. Yeah. Um, but his thing is that he like says a word and then kind of like dissipates uh into like a cloud of smoke Mm -hmm. um like you said the cats are magical like half the time but not really um just basically macavity and yeah he's 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 a a, like kind of evil cat who has the power to like apparate people yeah back to a ship (laughs) on the middle of the thames yeah where ray winstone Poor Ray Winstone. What has happened to his career? <laughs> um, is on the boat as his like prisoner or his a uh, prison guard cat. Yeah. Um, and so anytime yeah. he just kind of like whispered ineffable and then like burst into <gasps> dust, um, I laughed hysterically. Yeah. Um, I thought. I don't know if they were intending that to be hilarious, but it's hilarious. Um. Yeah, someone I follow on Twitter, she was basically like, I don't know if Idris Elba's career is going to survive this movie. <laughs> and I, it's kind of true. Like, I feel sort of bad for Idris Elba and that, like, Hollywood has offered him so little. Like, he's clearly such a talented actor, very hot, yeah. could have been such a fun leading man in so many different types of movies. And I guess there are so few opportunities for him as an actor that like, apparently this is true that he's basically decided um, that his, he's going like the musical route. Cause he's going to play Triton in uh, little mermaid. Like he's trying to reinvent himself now as like a musical theater type performer. That's a choice. It's a choice. For him. He's so good at so many things, but musicals does not appear to be one of no, them. <laughs> but I guess that's, that's where he's headed now. He's, you know, musical theater in the cavity. So, and um, he just kind of loses his powers at the end of the movie for no real reason, and yeah. um, gets stranded at the top of a statue. And I think, how yeah. hilarious that they don't even close that loop. Nope, for us. Nope. Um. nope. Uh, but yeah, so that's one of the things. One of the things I found particularly uh, spectacular was, and this is like I'm getting down to like the moment by moment things. Yeah. Um, though, so I think my favorite number of the whole show was um, Ian McKellen's performance as Gus the yes. theater cat. Gus is the cat at the theater door. I actually, like, was that of all the songs, for some reason, that was the only one that, like, kind of legitimately touched me. Like, like it, uh, uh, Ian McKellen is kind of cute as a cat. Like, he's very, like, you know. Yeah, he maybe looks the most, or I should say the least horrifying. Yeah. Maybe the most, like, He's working a human cat hybrid right. in a way. Yeah, he he's like he's found kind of the right frequency yeah. to like play, you know, the cat human hybrid. Um and his adorable little number. Um, but 
the end of which is punctuated by a moment where Judy Dench, as Old Deuteronomy, um, in celebration of his musical number, sticks her leg up in the air. <laughs> like it was such a like in this <laughs> profound moment of physical action <laughs> that I really wish I could have like rewound it. And I might have to buy this movie just so I can like clip that moment. Cause I want to know, like did 72 year old performer Judy Dench actually stick her leg up? Like, like I a little, like it. a burlesque performer <laughs> <laughs> to like applaud Ian McKellen or did like they decide in post-production, I think old Deuteronomy would like flick her leg up yeah. and then just like do it in post. Very weird vibes between the two of them. Yes. Were we supposed to be like, she's turned on I by get, Gus the maybe. Theater Cat? It felt a little that way. Um, Another spectacular thing is just not even that moment, but her lounging in like mm. a cat bed yes. while she watched the performances to get to the heavy side layer was yeah. like, that yeah. she's making old Deuteronomy this like old theater queen diva yeah. is I dig that a great choice mm -hmm. yeah um I I liked the moment when Ian McKellen uh sipped out of a bowl uh, <laughs> that's how he's introduced in one scene he's just like his head is just in a bowl and he's yeah. like lapping up water I think when it turned around and was Ian McKellen <gasps> our side of the theater row did scream yes um it's there a great moment audible reaction to that <laughs> moment I mean you know I guess sad for Ian McKellen and his career has led to that moment, but yeah, happy for all of us for yes, bearing I witness to that. Texted friends afterwards that what we as a nation have done to Ian McKellen for our own sick entertainment Ugh. is a travesty. Yes, but it was great. This man played Richard the Third, yeah. <laughs> one of the great Shakespearean performers of the British stage, and now we have reduced him to sticking his head in a bowl of water while someone digitally adds cat ears to the top of his head. It's it's sad, um, but yeah. So that that was kind of the, the end of my list. I don't know. I I did not. <laughs> Those were the only spectacular moments for you. Um, yeah, that's I kind of loved it. the whole fourth wall breaking last oh number when Judy Dench just turns to us and defines cats mostly by them not being dogs. Yep. And saying a cat is not a dog. That and that becomes like the refrain of the song mm. is uh, astounding. Amazing. Yeah, cats are not dogs. Yeah. That's is the main thing you need to know about cats. That's what they um, wanted us to take That's what we have learned in this journey. Yes. And we have come on a journey together. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like at this moment, maybe we should pause and see if we can just dial Dylan in for a split second and okay. see if he has anything to add. Um, and then maybe we can end with Taylor Swift's Beautiful Ghosts, because I think that's the appropriate note to end on. Welcome to Cat Chat. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so Laura's here. Olivia's here. Um, we were just we were just talking about all of the the spectacular things in this movie. So we talked about Judy Dench's weird leg pop, and Ian McKellen sipping out of a bowl of water. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add? I mean, the Ian McKellen um, sipping out of a, a bowl of water was like alarming to me. It was so upsetting to see them make, like, to see them make him do that for this movie, dehumanizing. I mean, <laughs> I mean they're I mean, literally dehumanizing the, him. Right, he, he's a cat, so <laughs> I guess it makes sense. Um, I was also pleasantly surprised by how um, grand the number was for Skimble Shanks, which, uh, as our uh, audiences don't realize, is who I went for uh, for Halloween as part of our 
yeah. uh, group uh, cats uh, costumes. Yes, so, we're um, all sick people. Skimble Shanks, the railway cat, really killed it. His suspenders were looking great. Yes, yeah, <sighs> suspenders on point. Yeah, I think yeah. He, you definitely had one of the most fun numbers. Um, and I like uh, a good cat. like un- unnecessarily long, too, considering that that character did not exist five minutes before that number. It's insane that he got so much screen time, but I'm not complaining. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think yours definitely fared better than mine. I went as Mr. Mistopheles, um, who... Uh, like his character gets sort of like retconned into having a relationship with Victoria, the like other the main cat, um, and then you know he has to conjure his his number gets kind of like the most um, sort of revised in this, in that it's linked to this new plot edition where McCavity kidnaps Deuteronomy and brings her on the boat, and then uh, Mistopheles has to bring uh, Deuteronomy back uh, through magic, and that's his number, and that number is also like terribly paced and just kind of lame. Like, I really liked it in the stage show, and I was kind of bummed out at how it fared in the movie. See, here's the thing that that is really fair me for a loop with this whole movie, is that I didn't know anything about Cat's musical, really, before I saw this movie. And so the fact that they changed that or added anything just, like, completely went over my head. Like, I thought the the musical was obviously depraved, but... I thought I thought everything with McCavity was just straight from the musical. No, no, McCavity like really like shows up for like a hot sec in the musical like two times and like has like a super eighties rad like lightning effect on the stage and then just like disappears. So oh. there's like even less of a plot in the stage show than there is in the movie. That's that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That, I don't know how you have anything with less of a plot than the movie we saw last night. <laughs> You know, Andrew Lloyd Webber is is never one to shrink away from a challenge. That man. Yeah, I think that I'm taking man. this winter break, I'm going to have to do a deep dive on the Andrew Lloyd Webber universe. Um, that way I can truly go insane. You will lose your mind. Yeah, just wait till you get to the uh, the Phantom of the Opera sequel, Love Never Dies. There's a sequel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's oh, a stage no. se- Yeah, there's a stage musical sequel to Phantom of the Opera called Love Never Dies. Um, and it can is we, as awful. Can we please get Love Never Dies with Gerard Butler in theaters 2022, <laughs> please. We can make it happen. <laughs> we should. We would. We we're gonna wrap things up by talking about um, the new additions to this, the musical, which is uh, Taylor Swift's song "Beautiful Ghosts." Oh no. <laughs> It's so clearly a new addition, too. Like, lyrically, it just does not match with the rest of, of the, the, the musical. But at least you have beautiful ghosts. Yeah, it's stylistically very different. Laura, did you have any thoughts about beautiful um, ghosts? T.S. is not a substitute for T.S. Eliot, it mm. turns out. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it sounds super thin and bad, and I don't get why they would cut up memory of all things with it like the biggest number and most famous from this musical it was an insane choice yeah I mean I'm not a huge fan of memory like I don't think that song is particularly good but like placed in immediate juxtaposition with Taylor Swift's lyrics of like all all I wanted was to be wanted yeah was to be wanted woof and It might not be like the best song, but it is supposed to be the emotional like climax of the movie. Like the yeah. one moment where you really like hit the audience with emotions right. and it just like it 
falls so flat because they are breaking up the song for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. One one question I had about memory, and I guess Jennifer Hudson's character in general, is why do all the cats not like her? That didn't come across to me at all. I didn't understand, like, why she was being neglected. I didn't understand why memory was supposed to be emotional. I was just completely lost. I mean that that is a really interesting question because like this this group right we've assembled right here like represents like varying degrees of knowledge about the previous stage show. Dylan <laughs> being like at the far end of like I've barely heard any of the songs before this, and it would be like really confusing as to like just what is even happening in this movie musical. Uh, so yeah, I mean I I don't know I can't explain to you why other than Laura we were t- talking earlier about the fact that like McCavity basically like used her and abused her and then like you know when she wasn't hot anymore he just like cast her aside is that what you what you interpreted it as yeah I think that's essentially her backstory as much as we know it um but I don't think you're wrong to not understand why (laughs) especially because the glamour cat song that's supposed to explain it uh isn't super comprehensible like as it's sung in the movie no (laughs) and also not helped by the fact that like all of the actors are singing live and like sometimes you lose some of their like lines of dialogue and lyrics because it's really hard to mix something when you're also recording it live so one of the reasons why most musicals don't do that (laughs) you know it's uh lots of choices being made but uh, yeah there was um I just got done teaching a production class for the first time ever this semester. And the entire time I was watching the movie, I was just thinking, like, this is this is worse continuity and coverage than some of the student films I just watched. <laughs> yeah. Especially in those musical numbers. They just completely lose track of, like, of the environments and where the characters are supposed to be and where they're at in the song. I was just... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's it's the same thing. It's like the uh, I don't know if you guys saw Hooper's Les Misérables, which that one is far more offensive to me because I actually like that stage musical a lot, and Oof. and he like butchers that. Yeah. But the oh, ending yeah. of both of those movies are essentially identical. The ending of Les Mis and Cats because they both end with like all the characters gathered together in Les Mis. They're on the barricades, and this one they're like in you know. Leicester's not they're not in Leicester Square they're like in one of the big you know town squares in London on a gigantic I don't know lion statue um (laughs) and you get these like you get one very brief wide shot of the group together where you can't really see the spatial dynamics between anyone in this group and then you get a couple of close-ups of the actors with no indication of like where they are amongst the group so like there's no sense of like cohesion or relationships between the characters and then you cut to the, the kind of very top with like the three main characters where it's just Judy Dench, Victoria, and Monkstrap, who I, I looked up. That's the narrator cat. Um, and then you have Judy Dench do her absolutely insane turn to camera and her speech uh, oh, cut man. to black, end of the film. So there's, there's just, you know, Tom Hooper has a very small bag of tricks and they're mostly bad. Uh, and uh, I wish people would stop giving him musicals to direct, slash anything to direct. That's, yeah, that's my final word. Agreed. This is just such a weird one for him to take on, too. Because, like, again, I know very little about Cats, so maybe you guys can clarify this, but is it, like, a repeated success when it gets revived on Broadway or across America? Like, is was there supposed to be an audience for Cats? Or was this some insane passion project that he had? 
No, so it I, it was on Broadway. It didn't close for like an insanely long it period of time. It was until quite recently the longest running Broadway show ever, oh and Fan of the Opera like just yeah, superseded it. Lion King and that it. are all like right. Yeah, but yeah, they've a lot of them have like ran for like twenty years, and then Cats the touring show like I think it continues to tour in some places. Yeah, so That's people okay. like this show. Yeah, I I. I, I nothing else to say you guys have completely shattered my understanding <laughs> of musicals or reality you and tom hooper have officially broken me i feel like we are all a little broken after cats unlike the cats none of us were able to fall on all fours coming out of that theater we all just collapsed into each other <laughs> just into a pile of nonsensical goop which is how i feel about this movie wait dylan um i want to know though like if you enjoyed your movie-going experience? Um, yes and no. Because <laughs> there, there were definitely moments where I was like, this is bad, and I think this is bad because the musical is bad, and there's nothing that you can really do about that. And those I was like, whatever. But it was the, the little a- extra added moments that were, I think, maybe specific to the movie or just came across to me as specific in the movie, such as um, the sort of, like, the meows that these characters are doing, which are completely like, not connected to how they're acting the rest of the time, you know, where they speak English and act like people. So for them to just make these, these like, authentic meow sounds was, like, very disturbing and hilarious. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, our, our good friend Polly, who's four seats down for me, having the time of her life. And so that was really getting me through it, too. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I walked out of the theater, and I turned to my girlfriend who saw it with us, and I said, I would much rather watch that again star wars i would sooner <laughs> sooner rewatch cats than rise of skywalker wow. so take that how you will all right well that's that seems like the final word on cats <laughs> better than the new star wars maybe question mark M- more enjoyable <laughs> let's see jj abrams direct cats it's not oh, gonna come god. across nearly as fun oh god but um yeah i mean i think that's that's probably as good a place as any to uh, to conclude our conversation about cats. Um, I think so. I look forward to uh, our Oscar uh, conversations uh, in the coming months where we get to utter the phrase uh, Academy Award nominated songwriter Taylor Swift. Um, uh, you know what? I'm pushing back against that narrative. I think that song is too much of a dud. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to will it into existence Okay. she's not going to egot. All right. All right. Well, you know what? That's, that's going to be, I think, a, a hot topic of conversation. Um, you know, how how much uh, will the Academy kind of kowtow to the Taylor Swift brand uh, in this season? Will they just basically say, like, you did it, like all the other popular singers, you made a goofy song for a, a movie musical here's your academy award nomination or will they resist will the awfulness of her song i think 100 percent the former but <laughs> you think the former okay all right yeah. so we have a huge star right. does an original song they right. get nominated yeah so there you go okay so laura is on on team nomination dylan <laughs> well, is hoping team nomination <laughs> more inevitable yes <laughs> travesty that's I, going I to occur yeah i agree with you guys like she's gonna get nominated but well, Maybe if I just think hard enough that she isn't, I can make that happen. Yeah. I'm going to secret this into existence. We can hold, like, a seance or something. We'll hold some sort of, you know, like, cat's prayer circle and try to make sure that that doesn't happen. That's um, so cursed. Okay, wait. Uh, before, we, before we end this, I okay. have to say one thing that completely shattered my experience, which is that we had talked previously before the movie um, 
about how Jason Derulo was upset that they had to airbrush his uh, his crotch down uh, to make it more appropriate bold. for all yeah. audiences. But what I didn't know, and I said this to you last night, is that. He plays Rum Tum Tugger, who is a curious cat, and I did not know that the whole that his whole song is about how all the other cats want to sleep with him. Yeah. So those two, those two things just don't add up. Like if he's gonna be the horny cat, let him be the horny cat all the way. Justice Anyways. for Jason Derulo's bulge. Yeah, uh, I was very like the fact that that song was was so horny, like really um, broke my brain. I think after that, I was just in, like, a catatonic state for the rest of the day. Ha, 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 catatonic state. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? We had to get at least one cat pun in today, and I feel like that's a perfect note to end on. Yeah, thank you for listening to our podcasts. Uh, Sorry if they already (laughs) made that joke. Yes. No, we haven't. So, yeah, the the podcast has come to uh, a close. Uh, Thank you to all of you for listening, Um, and uh, we hope you'll join us in the coming months, as Filmies React continue to seek out the most ridiculous movies um, released every month, and uh, I, I have a bad feeling that next month is going to be Doolittle. So, oh lord, yeah. So, uh, so look forward to that. Yes, have a very, very, very uh, catsmith. Very catsmith.